Hello Operatives, welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Once Upon a Kill Team, the podcast about narrative play in Warhammer 40k Kill Team. I'm Sean. And I'm Jason, and we want to talk to you about building stories around the gameplay in this grim, dark, terrible universe. In this episode, we talk about introducing characters into your kill team, like the idea of a chaplain for your intercessors, a commissar for your vet guard. Let's see how they might fit in. Now, uh, before we get started, you may have noticed the cool new thumbnail for the show, so a massive thanks to Ants from our narrative group here in London, who's done, he's done a wonderful job for us. Uh, <laughs> and a note from Jason, may his crew always roll sixes. And a uh, right. big, big crew fan. Uh, yeah, we look, don't we look, don't we look professional? And with a theme tune as well. I know, I know. I've been sitting on that one for a while. <laughs> anyway, season two, here we are. Big league. Big league. Big leagues. Do you know what? I'm going to ask you for the first time. Jason, have you been up to any hobby at all since we last recorded? Uh, right. Okay. So, uh, we're in confession, right? You're, you're my friend. You... You, you, you're not a judger, um, so you've probably heard many times how I've, you know, uh, smugly declared that I have nothing in my on my shelf of shame. Uh, I've run out of yeah. projects. I'm sure I can almost feel the the heat of hate coming through the the airwaves. Um, but in a way, it's been a lie because whilst I have had. Uh, not any 40k projects I've had uh, three teams of Blitzball figures uh, sitting in a box all grey and neglected um, it was like so, this whole yeah, time yeah so uh, but but new season new me I decided we can't we cannot have grey grey models uh, sitting around so um it's not it's not this game, but it is at least another GW game. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm painting up a, a currently a dwarf Blitzball team. Oh, fantastic! The the Black Frock Brewing Company. Um, yeah. So uh, I have been hobbying, just not space soldiers. I mean, it doesn't matter really, does it? I don't know. I do feel I've slightly betrayed us by doing a different <laughs> type of hobby. Uh, not at all. Anyway, you can you can rules. <laughs> you can rescue this segment. Uh, Plus, uh, that sounds like a proxied Votan team to me. Mm, maybe. <laughs> uh, I have finished painting up my Moritat. He is very handsome, clad in black, and of course with a suitable splattering of blood for the blood god. Uh, I he he looks. Visually very different, but still manages to blend in with the rest of the squad, so I'm I'm really, really happy. Uh, and at Warhammer Fest, someone pointed out that he looks like a member of Chaos Death Watch, so that got my mm. cogitators whirring. Mm. Is um, there an anti, anti-Death Watch? Anti-Death Watch. Trouble is, Death Watch aren't anti-Chaos, they're... I don't know. Anti-Death Watch would be Xenos operatives fighting the Imperium. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, hold on. There's a 
Here's an idea for for Games Workshop. <laughs> no, it's too good. They won't do it. <laughs> so, so he's done. He's ticked off. He uh, is going to play as my Melter Gunner because two plasma pistols equals a Melter Gunner, I reckon. Uh, that's up to me. Uh, and then because he is all, he's like eighty percent bionics. He's going to be a Nurgle operative. Basic. I mean, one out of one out of eight is not meta trending. No, that's true, and I don't think you're 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 in any way a meta chaser. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll I'll let you off. I'll let you off. Uh, I have also got another another little project on the go. My, uh, as we've dubbed him, my Swolefire Acolyte. Uh, my big muscly wizard who he he's made out of the uh, Gore Hulk from the Gore Chosen, the Underworld's Warband. He's this massive hulking guy who's halfway to becoming a uh, possessed or a demon prince. He's, he's in that transitional stage. So he's going to be my my uh, my Balefire Acolyte. Uh, and frustratingly, I completely forgot to take my usual grey plastic photos. I do like the quarterly turn and like show it off from all the sides. Completely forgot about that. Finished sticking the last bits on and primed it outside right there and then because the weather was good. So I've had to just start painting. Got to strike while the weather is good. Sounds exactly. Perfectly reasonable. <laughs> you, can, you can be let off. <laughs> but uh, but that's it. Just just ticking off the odd uh, odd operative for my my legionnaires roster. Fabulous. Sounds really good. Yeah. Nearly there. Um, have have you managed to get squeak any games in? It's not actually been that long since we last recorded. No, uh, I've I've uh, got one game, uh, so I have paused for the time being my Fastalker Kinband uh, campaign mm-hmm. um, for the time being because I was very keen to get a go in with the uh, Arbiters, the uh, the old Exaction Squad. Oh, sweet! Um, kicking indoors. Taking your names. Uh, yeah, so I had uh, our friend of the show, Nick, um, over for a bit of home hammer last night. And he very kindly um, uh, blasted and tore my exaction squad apart. Oh, how uh, kind. He's a lovely guy. He's a very lovely guy. And uh, uh Obviously, the thing that I most wanted to do out of the whole thing was arrest one of his characters. Did you manage to do it? Well, no, because the only character I got any any chance of doing was one of his rust stalkers who had like a power sword. Yeah. Now, all I'll say is I got him down to two wounds. It was very nearly arrested. And that's why this is going... This is by the Castigator, and I'll be honest, it's just, it's just a, I don't know, <laughs> the idea of put, putting a, uh, it, you know, and if any of you don't know, the, the, the Rust Stalkers are these fantastic models 
they're 10 wound they've got massive bases yeah 40 bases or something yeah they're and, huge um, big wide stones absolute monsters in close combat and uh, so I think uh, he was very brave trying to pop the cuffs on um, on that guy anyway uh, it was a it was a fun game although the exaction squad are a I think a tricky team to play and one that requires skill and experience. But it was really good to give them a go. Yeah, we certainly, we certainly had a bit of fun. Was it all right for uh, their first outing as well? Well, between you and me, I I think I've built them. I've I've, I've done the team suboptimally. I remember when uh, you said when when we were on with Russ. Yeah, and I, I don't know, I'm not sure I can be bothered to get another five, <laughs> you know, some more models. But I kind of like, I think the bottom line is you you need quite a few of the shield guys because they are actually quite good because they can, they always attack even when they're defending mm-hmm. and and they can parry two people's shots away. So, yeah, they're sort of not easy to kill in uh, close combat. Um yeah. Anyway, so I, I, I've, I've, I'm going to do a little campaign with them, I think, and I'm going to try and hunt down some crims, and I'm going to try my best to avoid all the Space Marine teams because uh, yeah. they are unarrestable. Um, are they unarrestable once they get under a certain amount of wounds, or are they just there? Uh, I think it beefy to begin it's, with. It's, it's it's the starting wounds. I think is the critical element. Uh, I know what you mean. Shoot, shoot them enough until you can just drag them off. Yeah, <laughs> that should that should be how it works. Uh, sadly, I don't think that that is the them's the rules. But uh, yeah, no, a uh, lot of fun. We'll see how we'll see how that goes. Uh, how about you? I think you've got a whole oh tournament so worth of games. Yes. So, so cat out the bag. I was at Warhammer Fest. If people didn't see on our socials and everything, uh, I was at Warhammer Fest last weekend, uh, taking part in the Kill Team tournament. So I, I had six games. Well, no, seven games since we last spoke. Uh, been been racking up those those tallies. Uh, I took uh, my, my Orc Stodies because I thought they'd be a really memorable opponent for people who. Yeah, uh, were there for, just to have fun, really? I, um, I've never forgotten them. <laughs> uh, uh, there were a lot of people who were hyper competitive that were really confused as to why they were doing so poorly against them. Oh, um, okay. And and it's not because I was playing them well; it's just because they hit like a truck when they hit. Yeah, and yep. they hit on twos. So. Everyone's just like, "Wow, these are these are pretty good." So I, I, we're gonna talk stats. I won two and I lost four, but three of my four losses were all by one point. So like, nail biting finishes. Well, I don't wanna come in here and quote Fast and the Furious at you, but if you win by an inch or you win by a mile, a win's a win. Win's a win. Uh, sadly, a loss was also a loss. But yeah, I, 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 <laughs> but I, I had great fun. Um, I went up against. I managed not to double down on any any enemy kill teams. So like, I went up against um, 
Commandos, Corsairs, Pathfinders. My my first time against the Fast Orchid Kim Band, rather than our game where we were playing with each other. Uh, and then Phobos, and lastly, you'll never guess, but my last game was against uh, our friend Ryan and his intercession squad, who's uh, the, the Blades of Aaron, whose uh, background we read out a couple of episodes ago. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Sounds really good. It was really good. Uh, there was like 150 people there to play Kill Team. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It was it was really good fun. Well, uh, I'm sure you were the highlight of many people's games. I'd like to think so. Uh, and two and four, that's better than my record at any tournament. So, uh, well done. It was it was a lot of games. We were absolutely shattered, um, but that didn't stop us being antisocial and leaving the pub early, and going home to play Warhammer Underworlds. Uh, Sal brought his kit with us, with him, and uh, he taught Nick and I how to play the game. Well, don't tempt me. I don't even know the game to play. Uh, look out for our sister podcast, Once Upon a Underworld. Once Upon an Underworld. So that was it for for in person games. Um, I had a really really fun time. Uh, I got to play got to play against some of the top players in uh, in Europe, um, and uh, I finally got to meet our friend um, Primaris Painter. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was going to ask, did you meet any um, anyone we know of other creators and stuff? Uh, I met I met quite a few quite a few fans of the pod. It was really nice to put some names to faces, no faces to names, other way around. Uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, had had quite a few people come up because I, I made sure I had like a little name badge saying who I was and what it was that I do. I uh, had quite a few people come up and like ask about it, and uh, I managed to see quite a few of my hobby heroes, as it were. Um, yeah, it was really good fun. Really nice to be in like like that environment of an awful lot of people that enjoy the same thing you do. It looked pretty busy though. Did you think today had over ten thousand people? Yikes! And then it kind of petered off Sunday to Monday. Monday was lovely. <laughs> well, um, well, stick around, guys. We'll be talking about the kill team reveals. Uh, later in the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we read out someone's background, we've actually had a mail written in, arguing against. Uh, well, not arguing, just commenting on Jason's ranking of the space Alkia skill teams. So, uh, well. What do they have to say, Jason? Well, we've uh, we've received this one letter from someone describing themselves uh, uh, as Magos Dominus Evasdafon, who I think we've had a letter from before. And he's been in touch and says, Love the last episode. Spot on, brother. No issues here. Keep up the awesome work. Love and hugs, Magos. Kiss, kiss. So... Uh, that's pretty positive. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll receive more more letters like that, please. Yeah, um, and as a 
you know, card-carrying member of the uh, Adeptus Mechanicus, the, uh, that's like an endorsement, I think. <laughs> um, on the other hand, we've received um, slightly less positive uh, response from someone going by the name Affable Moose, who who writes, How are Hunter Clayed in the not-so-space-hulky section? Now it's the not space hockey section for a start. Uh, why would they? Why would they be there? You ask. What do Mechanicum crave more than anything else? Knowledge. Knowledge of technologies. Which type of technology? Well, the only type allowed. Uh, I'm giving the emphasis here. The sacred technology from a time long lost, known as the Dark Age of Technology. A time when man made new inventions. But new inventions are now forbidden because they created sentient machines. He goes on. But from the age of technology, is the, mecha- the Mechanicum are able to bring back wondrous and terrible machines through what is known as STCs, Standard Template Constructs, an artificial intelligence that can store designs of technological marvels and even improve on them for current requirements of the Mechanicum. These STCs only hold limited knowledge, however, and therefore are highly sought after by the Mechanicum, because some may contain knowledge, others don't. Maybe even a new Titan design. Where are STCs found? In either exploratory vessels that have somehow come across one, or in settlements or vessels from the age of technology. This bit is in all caps. And you have the audacity to ask what they would do on a giant hunk of, hulk of spaceship that has drifted through time and space for an unknown amount of time? Back to normal writing. Uh, of course there might be an STC in an unfathomable depth of an undiscovered dark regions. And then you place warp coven higher on the list. <laughs> I feel I've touched a nerve on this one. What's... what's that? Lost a few games to warp coven? Um... Okay, maybe they hid there and it's now their home. Maybe they use it as something akin to a floating temple. Is that, is that the reasoning? I didn't hear any argument except they have warp in the name. You're not wrong. Rant. Rant over. <laughs> now, now, listeners, that is how you write a letter of complaint to a podcast. <laughs> uh, now, uh, I need to... Uh, just get myself, I'm just reaching over here and just gave myself a plate so I can have another spoonful of humble pie. Yum, yum, yum. Um, which I'm now, I'm no, yeah, no, uh, Affable Moose make a very good point there. Um, thank you for writing into into the show. Um, yeah. Oof. I've been told, haven't I? Well, if anyone else wants to put Jason in his place, please do write into the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, because we'll definitely read it out. Oh dear. Uh, well, let's 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 move on from the mailbag <laughs> section. Uh, I think, um, and it's time for a team background. Now yeah. we have uh, uh, got a brilliant. I've got a corker for you today. So this is our friend Emmanuel, Mister Greenskin, King of the War, who has got a background for his new. Freebooter free Commandos team called Brew Guzzlers Buccaneers. That's a pretty cool name. 
Okay, here is the background. Take it away. The salty crew of Captain Gorgok's brew guzzler, known as Old Scrapbeard by his lads, was on their way to rejoin the war after a slight diversion to loot some tiny Yumi supply ship. The lads were quite disappointed with the flight on that looting mission as the humans as the Yumi as the Yumis are really good at dying and not fighting at all. They didn't even have proper weapons. Old Scrapbeard was about to start thinking of a way to get his lads a proper fight, which is dangerous as he's no mech, so thinking isn't something he's done before. Out of nowhere, Gork, or was it Morg, dropped a massive ship out of the Great Green Warp. It was one of those Yumi ships that they store all their best things in. But they ain't flying it like any Yumi would, in a straight line away from the Orcs. This ship was veering side to side and gaining speed towards the nearby planet. It was as if a speed freak was driving it. Couldn't be though. No speed freak would be caught in a ship that's not painted red. Where was I? Oh, the Yumi Luton ship. Yeah, it was heading straight for the planet in a hurry. But also, like it didn't want to be doing that. Now mind you, Captain Gorgrok was no prophet. Nor did he even hint to Gork or Morg for that matter, they wanted a big giant ship to loot, but he wasn't going to let his boys think otherwise. Oi you gits, just in time, when your captain asked the gods for a bigger ship to loot, with proper gits on it, to have a good fight, he gets it. Let's have it lads. And with a rumble, that shook the rivets free from the ceiling, the crew let out the most eager wah they ever have I love it I love it I'm grinning <laughs> um, uh, where's we need a free booter team we need a free booter team okay um, thanks Emmanuel for that uh, that is brilliant uh, well now um, as we've heard we had a bit of Warf- Warhammer Fest um, there were plenty of plenty of reveals there a couple of which um, we mentioned on the last on the last pod, I think. But the um, the big stuff, the big kill kill team stuff, I think we have to go through it now. We had a reporter on the spot, Sean, our special investigator and, and journalist, was there to ask the hard hitting questions, kind of. Uh, uh, so what have we got? What have we got for our kill team brethren? We have. Kill Team 21's first narrative expansion, The Ashes of Faith. How good does this box look? We have an inquisitorial retinue versus, well, the 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 cults hidden deep within uh, a hive world. Or wherever you want to put it, because there's no terrain in the box. It's wherever you want it to be. Only limited by your imagination and possibly the terrain you already own. And if you don't own any train, cardboard boxes work. So there is no reason to to not get this box. Now, I think if it wasn't episode one, it was like episode two of our podcast. So look, certainly more than a year ago. And probably on every episode ever since, we keep yeah. going, someone's, they've got to do an Inquisitor team. We've talked about homebrewing Inquisitor teams. We've talked about proxying uh, Inquisitor teams. 
uh, which is all good. And the only thing you can get out of all of this is, surely these guys on this podcast must be all in for an Inquis- Inquisition team. Yeah, fingers so, on the pulse. So they finally listened to us. I think it was us. Yeah. Um, and delivered, except, and this is this is this is the bit I, I haven't got your opinion on. There's no Inquisitor. This is like the underlings. This is the interrogators. But I've been explaining you, you dis- why. Ah, okay. Well, what's 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 the what's the answer? So, the Inquisitor may have between either this is their only warband, or this is their only like retinue. Or they might have 20 of them that they're micromanaging from afar. So think of it like this, Jason. You're the Inquisitor directing your retinue. Me? You. Well, well. Okay, all right, all right. I can. This is narrative. We have to imagine uh, yep. a little bit of something. Okay, I like that idea. I like that idea. I mean, uh, yeah. They, they also I'm described just... it that, that the, this scale of conflict is kind of small potatoes for an Inquisitor. That's why they send their goons. Yeah. No, see, I, I'm personally not actually disappointed at all. I kind of think this is, um, you know, uh, like you say, the scale of the conflict is, is something where it's, an Inquisitor might be a bit much. And the other thing that's sort of the issue, there was always going to be an issue with a sort of an Inquisitor team, if, if, if you know, when you get one, is... From everything I've read, they're all so wildly different. Everyone's got their favourite Inquisitor in their head, be it Eisenhorn or Solomon Rex, and they all do something different because they all work for different Ordos. But whatever Inquisitor they did make, someone would put up a stink that, but my Inquisitor has psychic powers. And they're like, yes, well, we couldn't. You've already got someone who's psychic in the team, so we didn't give it to the Inquisitor. But. Uh, you're the Inquisitor, so so think in that mindset, and I think it all falls into place. No, I can see it. Uh, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. Um, and so we got we got the Inquisitor people, and then you get uh, some some chef. <laughs> what do they call them? Ancillary squads. Ancillary um, support. Yeah. So so from what I can tell, you've got. Uh, You've got the retinue themselves, and then to make up the rest of the squad, you can bring in essentially it's like going back to fire teams. You can bring in a fire team of maybe Sisters of Silence, uh, Scions, Kasakin, Imperial Breaches, you know, other people. You know, we've been playing this game for a year and a half now. People have got these teams. You can bring in whoever you want as backup. I've got three of them. <laughs> Four. Four, if you count the Scions and Kazakins as the same thing. I do. No, yeah. I, I, I quite like that. that that's uh, so it's, it's like, um, very much like in the books where they, they either get in specialist help, so if they're going up against Psychers, they'll bring in the Sisters of Silence to help try and nullify those, or they've um, sought the help of maybe some local law enforcement because you can also take the RBTs as well, the Exaction Squad. Or, uh, you know, they've just gone for, for the local military to help them clean out this this den of corruption. And do you get you get the Scions and the Sisters? They'll, they'll, they'll be in the box, is that right? They, yeah, they're in the box. 
with the, with the retinue. Yeah. Okay. Well, that would that would sort of suit me personally because um, I've not got any sisters and I could do with some more. <laughs> I could do with some more science. Um, yeah. So so everyone's dream has come true. It's yeah. The, the the really interesting thing is that it's it's the it brings back the list building perspective to Kill Team, which I think a lot of people miss because you could, you know, if you're thinking match play which we never are but you could tailor oh i'm going to bring sisters of silence against walk coven or you know my kasakin are going to get a run out against legionaries great uh but it's it's adding a lot of depth um to the team itself regardless of the actual specialist of the inquisitorial retinue which we've only seen models of so i can't can't guess as to what's on their data sheets but it's got me excited yes uh no me too me too um i think uh i think they've done about as good a compromise <laughs> as, as 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 is possible to um satisfy most people there's always going to be some some folk probably salty about it um uh so who who do you who's who are they investigating? Who are they uh, up against? Now I don't know the actual name of the team because I do. You do? They're the Craven yeah. something. No, they're the Kanker. The Kanker. That's it. Why are they gone? Oh, there you put me on the spot. It's the Kanker <laughs> of something. Um. Uh. The 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 Kanker of London. Uh, cult. TM. That sounds right. Hidden canker. That's it. They're not the. Can you tell everyone's canker. excited about the Inquisition and less so about the cultists? <laughs> <laughs> but saying that, they've got some really cool rules, or at least the the promise of really cool rules. I mean, the the possibility of turning a humble. You know, local devotee, devotee, devotee. Yes, uh, <laughs> the people in the um, in the gang uh, turning into a hideous monster, and then an even bigger, very scary hideous monster. Uh, actually, sounds pretty exciting. Um, and that's over the course of the game, not over the course of the campaign. Well, well, now box does seem to come with to me at least a worryingly large number of models i think on the other hand five to fifty on the other hand if you can think of it what a great value for money to get so many in one box and most importantly no terrain yeah i've got enough terrain i'm actually pretty glad what do you reckon i i'm i'm ecstatic to the point where this may be one of the first boxes that i get <laughs> oh we have yet we to have, get one listeners we haven't discussed uh between us uh if one of us is going to get this box so that's interesting that's interesting it. news Maybe we split it. i mean i think um i've already seen a few message board things out there for who wants the chaos cultists out of this box <laughs> yeah because <laughs> everyone wants the I'll and i haven't heard I've not, I've not heard it the other way around. Um, <laughs> I think 
I think for us, especially this podcast, we'd want it so that we could um, play actually play it. Paint. We yep. don't want to play it. Uh, we don't want it just for the teams. Um, From what I understand, yes. it's to play similarly to something like Blackstone Fortress or Cursed City, where it's kind of like a closed uh, kind of ecosystem. The, the teams are built to play against each other, and the narrative is for them specifically. But you can play through the whole campaign with the teams you've already got, any other narrative team you want to bring, and mix those in. But it is designed with the retinue and uh, the cultists in mind. So, yeah. But it is open to everyone else playing as well. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, because one thing that's, I don't know if it would work, but might, might be fun, um, is the idea that. Um, you do play with the campaign uh, with the teams in the box and then you want to play again but maybe yeah. you want to play again with with alternatives so um, swap teams with whoever you're playing with don't know now this is a this is the trickiest of all questions let's say hypothetically maybe not even that hypothetically that we played this mm-hmm. <laughs> Now I think we've previously stated that neither of us are very chaosy. Who plays what? That's true. Do we roll the dice? Play chaos. What? Say, say no. no you're not right. supposed to fold that easy. You're supposed to fight me on it. Well, <laughs> I'll do them up as a as as because I've got my. Oh, listeners don't know that I treat myself to a box of jackals for my. World Eaters, Blooded, slash Felgor Ravagers, slash Necromunda team. So so maybe they could be my devotees. Mm. Mm. In those. This, yeah, I mean, in the grand, greater narrative, could they be um, somehow in with your frenzied mall fellas? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. They'll look handsome in blue and white and red. Um, Now, timing-wise, it sounds like... This isn't even going to be released in very long, by the sounds of it. I think it's going to be a fortnight after the Gallo Fall. Uh, still don't have much. <laughs> still don't have much info on the Gallo Fall. <laughs> True, we did have we did have the Felgor Ravagers and the the Votan uh, went up on Warhammer Community today and yesterday. So we got a bit of information. Did Names you change your mind? Do you, want to, do you want to play some squats now? No. No, I'm good. Oh. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's yeah. I wonder how this how, how much this is around, but I'm sort of a bit done with Into the Dark. And it's a shame, because I've got nothing against squats. And the Beastmen certainly look interesting. Uh, although I'm not sure how wild I am about the actual models themselves, or perhaps it's just the paint job they've been given. But yeah. Yeah, I I think that this narrative release is to get people excited about Kill Team rather than going, oh joy, another Into the Dark box. <laughs> um, and I think that we should give it as much support as possible because yeah. this is this is kind of them testing the waters to see how popular something like this might be. Uh, and as fans of narrative, very. With me, with you, and hopefully with those listening, um, it's it's gonna we're just gonna lap it up. 
And if we do, they'll make another one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, listeners, I hope all of you um, press go on this box after we have so it doesn't sell out. Yeah, we'd like our copy first. Yes. Um, well, that sounds all very interesting, but it doesn't end there. That's not even... That's not even we're not even we're not even anywhere yet. Not even. Now, uh one of us is a big fan of Space Marines. So mm-hmm. how how quivering with excitement are you over the prospect of a mix and match take one of everything heroes team? The Just Aaron squad, they're a mixed bag of intercessors. We've got eliminators. We've got uh, what looks like a heavy intercessor with a heavy bolter. We've got a, a sergeant, and then we've got a captain with a power fist and plasma pistol. And you know what? I'm only missing the gravis with the heavy bolter. If you're a space room fan, you've already <laughs> got all of these models. Uh, and while the, these new sculpts are very really handsome, they come in blind boxes. If you buy. Like a big crate, you're guaranteed to get every single one, plus a duplicate of random one. Um, They're great. Each of these boxes are going to have the rules for that operative in them. Um, Yes. But the rules are also going to be available free online as a a PDF, same as Intercession. So I think we're going to see a lot of people playing nicely with models from their collection. Um, before everyone's going to get a copy of, of these new models. Unless you're me, in which case I I only own the Phobos. That's all I own. Uh, luckily own. for you, I've got enough to double debt. <laughs> oh my God. I should, we, should, <laughs> we should be friends. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, and, uh, uh, and if anyone's... Um, out there who spotted that there was a captain as one of the uh, operatives um, and you th- and uh, I think the word on the street is don't get used to that this, yeah. is, this is like a one off this isn't uh, commandos coming uh, commanders coming back yeah I love um, commanders though but don't panic we've got you covered wait a bit longer into this episode we'll sort you out I thought I thought it was so perfectly timed I was like People are going to be looking up what HQs to bring into <laughs> Kill Team. Oh, we're trendsetters. Trendsetters, Jason. Ahead of the curve because we planned this weeks ago. Yeah, and they definitely haven't been planning it for probably a year. So <laughs> mm, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. <laughs> um, but are you are you broadly positive about 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 the heroes? I am because a lot of people were kind of as as fun as intercession is. And for getting people into the game, intercession in itself is kind of homogenous. Between intercessors and assault intercessors, it's just whether you've got a long gun or a chainsword. But it's yeah. the same guy, pretty much. Um, whereas with this, you get to see your Gravis armor, your Phobos armor. You get to, you know, just see see the, the range of Space Marines. And, and interestingly... Each of these operatives, I think, apart from the intercessors, are going to be able to do something a bit different. So it may add a bit of variety rather than I move here, I shoot twice, I charge here, I fight twice. 
Well, I, one thing I've learned, by the way, over the last year is uh, often I'll get a sort of hot take on, you know, a uh, what's it, sort of first blush reaction to to something, and often I'll go, they're brilliant or don't fancy them. I've learned now you've got to see the rules because I can turn around. I was not that fussed about hand of the archon until I saw the rules, and then actually it looked pretty. They looked pretty good, and I was almost tempted to buy them. Yeah. So. I'm very curious to see how these run, uh, and who knows, I could be wandering around with space marines. Can you imagine it? Imagine. Would they be more silver skulls, do you think? Um, well, I feel this is, this is almost one for another podcast, but I yes, possibly, but there's another bit. I've always sort of hankered to sort of make if I was going to do it seriously I was, I'd was i want to make my own chapter or something probably uh-huh. but if I'm you know I want to do it properly or not at all yeah yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and so I've got to say Silver Skulls uh, I, I do think they're a cool chapter and dead easy to paint so uh, they are, would be a, a, a yeah first go a viable option a viable option and that's okay. still not all the Kill Team news. No. Because we also <laughs> got a tiny, teeny-weeny teaser that people have been pulling apart online. Um, and it's some noise over people can't decide if it's water or jungle. Um, but they said, Eldari discovered, send in the scouting units. I think it's our Eldar versus scouts. Well, who cares about that? I think the bigger is who's going to win the bet on whether it's jungle. That's the bigger question. Well, there's a drink riding on this. I have hopes that it'll be jungle. If if jungle isn't this box, I think it may be in this season of Kill Team because we've landed the the narrative continues. So we the Gallo Dark the the Gallo Dark has fallen onto this planet. The Gallo Fall has fallen. Um. And I think the season hence the name, hence the The I think the different seasons will take part in different places on this planet. So okay, so hold on to that pint because it may not be jungle this time round. Um, because they also said that they'll be looking at terrain in ways we have yet to see in Kill Team. Look, and I've had a really interesting theory. Oh, go on then, go on then, go on then. Have you seen the uh, the Necromunda Ash Waste terrain where they've got like these hab blocks on stilts? Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So, if it's a water board, what if you need to be up in these gangways between all these different buildings and everything, and there are ways that you could get knocked off, and if you go in the water, bloop, he's out of action. And like it turns well, it more into like a... I don't know. I've got mousetrap in my head, but that's not the right game whatsoever. But but we're we're trying to fight above like this crashing ocean or something. Yeah, uh, it'd be cool. Only because they said we hadn't seen the the terrain in Necrom in Kill Team, but that alluded that it has been seen in other games as well. Uh, Warcry's oh, a they, bit as well, and they do like to reuse a bit of terrain. So. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Okay, um, I tell you what came to my mind. Uh, 
because I don't know. I guess the thing that I always doubted about the jungle idea is that just having jungle or you know trees, trees, bushes, yeah. and whatever is is that going to be an actually good to play on? And so I was wondering if it was going to be more sort of Mayan temple type mm, buildings, fun. yeah, with sort of vine, covered in vines and having that kind of uh, vibe. Um, so that that leads to the the second part of the tin foil theory. Okay, that we heard like a Jurassic Park dinosaur cry, <laughs> and Eldar and dinosaurs. That sounds like exodites to me. Now, that would be wild, and so they've landed on a planet, an exodite planet. Is this what we're saying? It's in theory. Okay. Uh, or you know, a death world. So, who knows who's there struggling to survive? Now, I do know, because we've discussed it outside of the podcast, I think, is that you're a big fan of the uh, Age of Sigmar lizardmen oh, on yeah. dinosaurs, or lizards, yeah. uh, which are very cool. Um, and I, I'm with you there. So, yeah, well, fingers crossed. Although, doesn't it sound more likely it'll just be scorpions? Don't do that to me, Jason. <laughs> you, you love you love an aspect warrior. I don't think that would be. I love terrible. an aspect warrior. I was I was playing up for the crowd. Um, yeah, I'll be happy either uh, way. It'll be something new. Uh, well, mostly I'm just concerned about what we're going to call the next season. Is it going to be the jungliest kill teams? Is it going to be the the wettest kill teams? <laughs> the saltiest, the, the saltiest. What? <laughs> well, well, we've done kill teamiest. We've done, we've done space hulkiest. Uh, I think saltiest. I I can't I can't wait. And even that isn't slightly quite the end because we have a roadmap. We do. I mean, it's good to good to know there are plans. Yeah, that's a good thing from what just out of the box. It's nice to know that the game you're playing has some future planning thought going into it. Uh, it looks like this uh, new box, the new season starts in autumn, with a second box following it up in the next quarter in winter. So, so I think if we're if we're expecting Gallo Fall in June, then season two would start. September and then that would have the second box of season 2 around Christmas time just in time for Christmas um yeah okay well I'm feeling pretty pretty pumped for all of this and with ashes of faith I mean seriously time for narrative is now it is our, it is our time exactly Go uh, tell your friends. Narrative's great. Come play a game. Yeah, stop going to tournaments. Um, <laughs> uh, if you want to. If you want to. Uh, well, that's pretty good. Uh, we'll bring more news on that uh, as it emerges. Um, but it yeah. does sound... There's nothing there that isn't good, I would say. So far. I'd, I think I think um, ev- everything ha- exciting there. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, the space space marine scouts, scout schmelts. Um, <laughs> just to bring down the segment at the end. 
Um, right. Uh, enough of all that. We've got uh, what we originally intended to be the main topic of the show. Yeah, um, people have waited 15 we, minutes for this. Yeah, so hang on to your butts. Um, so I've talked quite a bit on this uh, on this podcast uh, that one of my great joys when I played the Wormblade Kill Team back in the day, uh, still probably one of my favourites, and one, one of the things that really made it one of the great teams, uh, particularly to play narratively, were the cult agents. So you got uh, to pick two out of either the Kelomorph, the Locus, or the Sanctus, which came in either a sniper or a, a sort of blade guy. Um, and these are proper characters. These are really tough hombres in the game, but also, narratively, they are amazing. And particularly the, the, the mechanic there that, that certainly I think we find really interesting is that uh, they replaced like, you know, two normal dudes. Yeah. Um, two of the basic basic type of people. And they really feel like special characters. And uh, with the Blooded team, uh, the Chaos Ogryn, I would say, is a similar kind of imposing figure brilliant i think for me the enforcer could have could have been could have been a better character but uh but they're, they're like kind to... of they're kind of uh standout pieces on the table as well standout you know proper character characters so uh sean here has has uh answered the call what if we tried to insert some characters into some other teams that we have and oh you're in for a little treat now do you want to explain what what you've got here yeah so i've i've made kind of like a living document that i'm going to be updating as i go along but at the moment i think i've got at least a character or a, like a cool operative for every faction i've got 20 on the list in front of me and we're only going to read out a couple because otherwise we'd be here for a couple more hours. Yeah. Um, but I've I've worked out how they might fit into the kill team, all their abilities and everything, how they'll fit in thematically, and I think, you know, it it I as you can tell, I really enjoy commanders from first edition, and as as fun as having your guys on the table, having the hero of your guys on the table is even cooler. So. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, I'll be putting a link to this um, in the show notes, uh, but it will be updating as as either I get inspired or more teams come out. I'll I'll keep filling it up. Fantastic, fantastic. Rail, would you indulge me slightly if I try and urge you to pick out a couple of the ones that? I, I'm really keen to hear about. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Which one? Which right. one do you like the look of first? Then. Okay. Well, I think commissars are brilliant, and the fact that we we we're sort of nearly there in the um, bloody team with them, but I see you've got a lord commissar that oh, can yeah. be used in a number of teams. So yeah, tell me more about this. I'm I'm really you know 
keen to see what you got. Yeah. So the, these 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 operatives may in no way be balanced whatsoever. So so use it your own discretion. But my Lord Commissar can be used in a Vetgar kill team, Kasakin, Blooded, or Breaches, uh, with the simple swap that he just replaces the leader. Uh, I've given him a fairly standard stat line. Um, he's got his bolt pistol and a power weapon, a classic, classic mix. Um, he's also got the uh, Vet Guard Sergeant Guardsman's orders, so so he can order people around in a in an orderly fashion. I've given him an aura of discipline, so friendly operatives do not count as injured while they're within six of this operative and visible to it. So they're they're inspired by his mere presence to not uh, decrease in efficiency if they're injured. Inspired or feared? Well, we'll get on to that. <laughs> we'll get on to that. Um, he's got a refractor field, so he's got a, a native five up and vulnerable save. Uh, he's also got lookout, sir, which is similar to the to those who have played Pathfinders or played against them. It's like savior protocols. So whilst any friendly operatives are within two of this operative, all shooting attacks must target one of these operatives, even if they were originally not a valid target. So if you've got someone tucked behind a wall but in front of uh, your commissar, they could leap out in front of him and take the shot instead. Well, that's loyalty for the Emperor. So he's got he's got a couple of unique actions. Uh my favourite of which is summary execution. Uh for one AP, deal two mortal wounds to a friendly operative. Until the end of the turning point, friendly operatives may perform mission actions for one APL less. If this would <laughs> incapacitate the operative, friendly operatives also cannot count as being injured and ignore all effects of battle scars. Yes, yes, this is what we want. Shooting your own guys to rally the troops. Uh, no, I love that. I mean, you know, uh, we might we might be playing. Um, I might be playing my vet guard soon, so who knows? This could come in. Uh, I'm tempted. So I've got I've got another couple. Of, what ones are a bit boring? We've got unquestioning obedience for one AP, which is just in your next strategic phase you may ish, issue an additional guardsman order. Uh, and then we have the Imperial Commander's Armory for one or two CP. Uh, this is a little uh, tactical ploy you could use. Use this ability during the strategic phase of turning point one. You may load out additional equipment points equal to two EP for each CP spent on this ability. Okay. So he could he could give you the the effects additionally to expanded armory, uh, if you want. Very nice, very nice. Yeah. yeah, inspiring by by obedience or fear from the front. Now that is a character. Uh, all right. Um, can I pick another one? You can go for it. Right, commandos. How do you? How do you improve the funnest and kill teamiest team? You give them a weird boy. Come on, what? I want more magic in this game. Give me some magic. All right, we'll go for the weird boy. 
so he will slot into a greenskins or commandos list and it's easy enough you just swap him out for two operatives uh he's a bit chunkier he's got 14 wounds um he's equipped only with a weird boy staff which is melee uh but i think he's going to be worth it so abilities wise he's got Kaldawar. Uh, in turning point 2, if this operative is in the kill zone, all friendly operatives within 6 gain the following benefits. They do 1 extra... Uh, they improve their uh, weapon skill by 1 if they charge during that turn. They add plus 1 to the critical damage of all melee weapons if they charge during that turn. And they also gain a 5-up in Vulnerable save, as they are inspired and imbued with this sickly green light. The weird boy magic. Yes. Uh, yeah, I like that one. I mean, I am, you know, uh, attracted to, uh, yeah, the Psyker-type type thing. That sounds brilliant, though. I love it. Yeah. Then we've got uh, Get Stuck In. In turning point three and onwards, if this operative is in the kill zone, all friendly operatives within six gain the following benefits. We get to add two to the critical damage of all weapons, and friendly operatives gain a six up in vulnerable saves. So they're a bit less safe, but they're a bit more deadly, which, you know, commandos really need. <laughs> that was sarcasm. Uh, he's got a couple of psychic actions. We love space magic. He's got... Ed Banger. For 1 AP, target one visible enemy operative, roll run 1d6. If the result is above their APL value, then they suffer 1d6 mortal wounds. He also has the famous The Jump. Select one visible friendly operative, and until the end of the turning point, they gain the fly keyword. He's going to be telekinetically levitating people up and over the battlefield. If you believe it can happen, it happens. <laughs> believe it's true. <laughs> uh, then we have the Jabbing Fingers. Uh, for one AP, select one visible enemy operative, and each enemy operative within two of the target worsens their uh, BS and WS by one until the end of the turning point. Nice. So he says he's got buffs and debuffs. Uh, less so as a as a damage dealer himself, but he's a he's a fourth multiplier. I like it. I like it. Uh, yes, you have satisfied my need for psychic energy there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is there any? There any? The, um, the, you must have had a space marine one. I can't believe you wouldn't have done a space marine one. What have we I got here? Uh, let me let me find it. Let's go for a Primaris Chaplain, why not? With his Absolver Bolt Pistol and Crozius Arcanum. Uh, this just swaps out for your leader again. Uh, nice and easy swap. He has a fairly basic stat line. Although it looks like I've given him 13 wounds, but I imagine I wrote this when Intercession hadn't come out. So we'll see how he does. 
he's got a Rosarius, so he's got a four up invulnerable save as his faith protects him from uh, damage that would otherwise eviscerate other people. Um, he has the ability Spiritual Leader. Friendly operatives within six cannot count as being injured. Also, they count as being one APL higher for the purposes of controlling objectives. And then uh, I base this on the um, chi, uh, the oh my god, I can't remember what the name is. The Master of Sanctity. He can perform two different inspiring litanies in a turn, which is going to bring me on to his unique actions, inspiring litanies. We have Catechism of Fire, which is friendly operatives within six of this chaplain, may improve their ballistic skill by one for a ranged attack against the nearest eligible target. We've got Recitation of Focus. Friendly operatives within six of this chaplain may improve their weapon skill by one for all melee attacks. Or the Litany of Hate. And friendly operatives gain... With friendly operatives within six gain Relentless on all melee attacks. So he can do he can do one of these uh, normally, and then with his Master of Sanctity ability, he can do two of them. But if he's doing two litanies, he's probably not doing that much else. So it's kind of a, you know, buffs buffs people up again. I'm wondering, Inspiring yeah. the forces, taking yeah. his brother monks to battle. This is great. Uh, I quite like, I particularly like the idea of some Dark Angel team out there taking their interrogator chaplains into kill team how thematic would that be completely their their crozius is something horrendous to behold uh right i think i think we'll do one more uh one more let's let's give like our our friends in the hive fleet need some love they really do nothing says love like a lictor all it wants is a big hug and some kisses that's a lictor so uh, the Lictor is going to count as either three Gene Stealers or uh, two Warriors. So juggle that how you want to. Um, let's go for it. He is APL 3. He's equipped with Lictor Claws and Talons. Uh, and then the Flesh Hooks for... Um, for his, his range three kind of pistol attack of these, he essentially shoots his ribs out. Um, <laughs> quite simply, to behold, he's got a slew of abilities. We have chameleonic skin, so each time an attack is made against this operative, worsen the BS or WS by one. And while this operative is receiving the benefits of cover whilst on conceal, it cannot be selected as the target of a ranged attack. Uh, it cannot be the selected as a target of a ranged attack if the attacker is more than six inches away. They also have a five-up invulnerable save. So he's there blending into his environment, uh, and even when people are right up close in front of it, they can't quite tell where the boundary of, of this alien body and the, and the surroundings start and end. He's got inhuman swiftness. So... During any fight action where this operative is part of, they may strike first, regardless of whose activation it is. So we've seen this on a couple of other operatives, but it just uh, works its way into the uncanny alien 
swiftness of it all. Then we have Hidden Hunter. So during deployment, you may set this operative up to 6 inches away from your deployment zone, or at least 6 inches away from the enemy deployment zone. So you could put this invisible, chameleonic alien anywhere on the tabletop ready for an ambush. He's got a couple of unique actions as well. So we've given him Invisible Hunter for 1 AP. You remove this operative from the kill zone, and then during the next strategic phase, you may set up this operative within 3 of any kill zone edge, and at least 6 away from enemy operatives. So you, he could completely redeploy. <laughs> and pop up somewhere else. I love it. I love it. Uh, I've got I've got one last one. One last goal. He's got pheromone trail. So uh, select one visible enemy operative within six, and until the end of turning point, all friendly operatives uh, gain one inch to their charge range if it targets this target. Bad ass. Yeah. Bad ass. Uh, like I said. I've got 20-odd of these on this on this uh, document. So have a leaf through. If you've got any suggestions for changes, I am all ears, because I am not saying by any means that I'm a I'm an authority to go by, but I, I've tried to be flavorful and inventive where I've seen it. So so let me know. Yeah, just just, just to read out a couple of the couple of the titles. So if any of these uh, ring in for you, novitiates get a canoness. The Talons of Talons get a Blade Champion. Uh, Hunter Clade, you know I'm a big fan of the Hunter Clade. Uh, Techno Archaeologist, I'm not even sure I know what that is. He's sounds really, really good though. Um, Legionaries Master of Possession, or how about a Blight Lord Terminator? If you're Death Guard, um, for our we don't wanna, we don't wanna, uh, leave our Eld, Eldar friends uh, out there without a, their Wraith Guard. Uh, Hand of the Archon, how about a grotesque? Hey, not bad. Um, these are all just fantastic. Oh, Boss Boss Nickrot, whose model I am actually in love with. So, and I'm <laughs> very tempted just to get this Nickrot model just for the sake of having it. Um, uh, we spoke about this in our in our episode with Emmanuel. Uh, we've got rules for Boss Nickrot now. Yeah, um, I think these are all fantastic, and uh, we'll publish them. If you've got these models, uh, have a go swapping them in. I think they're a lot of fun. And if you play like us, narratively, where the commissar has got to shoot someone to get this team moving, or if you, <laughs> or if you love to stalk your prey with a lictor, um, ah, this could be so. This could be so good. So uh, do let us know. Do let us know if you have a go of any of these. I think uh, they've got so much potential. Uh, and and one thing, I'd, one I noticed you've got on the list here is the patriarch for the Wormblade. Well, um, I played to my I played to my audience. So, uh, well, I just wanted to because because a while ago I I made a in our in our boss battle episode I made a mission to use a Broodlord, um, and I made a, a mission called Seal the Exits, and I noticed that Matt D in uh, the Battle Brothers tabletop. Um, Discord has done the mission, so I'm very I thrilled. Saw. Fantastic! I'm thrilled that someone has done my mission. I'm actually really proud of that one because I think it actually is 
you know pretty fun for both parties um yeah so that's really good but they had really good fun with it didn't they yeah 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 uh well that about wraps it up for today uh sean has to go and vote so uh <laughs> <laughs> not to date this podcast but i do um but the treats don't end, my friends. The treats don't end. Next time on Once Upon a Kill Team, we have some new special guests. We've got Gregor and Jester from Grimdark Gamers. They have an absolutely fantastic YouTube channel. And even better, they've been doing a narrative campaign, which obviously we want to uh, find out more about. But they do loads of other stuff on there. Do check them out. We're going to get them on the show. We have guest questions. We may even have some new questions and probably and probably some old questions. <laughs> um, uh, can't wait for that. Really love those guys. Uh, but that's next time. If what you heard in this podcast sounds even remotely interesting, subscribe and tell your friends. For every subscription to the podcast, the Lord Commissar executes one of your comrades in order to boost morale. <laughs> If you have a few spare pennies and would like to support the show, you can do so through coffee. There's a link in the show notes. Once a pin, the kill team will always be free, but any help you can give goes towards making the podcast better. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on Once Upon a Kill Team. Just remember, it's not whether you won or lost, it's whether your chaplain, whilst inspiring his brothers with burning litanies of hate, incidentally gets eviscerated by a lictor from behind. See you next time.